All right, all right, all right. I'm Joe Turner, and this is City Manager Unfiltered, a podcast by a city manager for city managers and other public sector executives. I have an exciting uh, guest with me today. His name is Michael Rogers. He is the former city manager for the city of Tracy, California, and he's had an impressive career arc, career progression up until he reached Tracy, California, and he hit a little bit of a, a buzzsaw. And we're going to talk about his experience and, and how do you handle adversity uh, after experiencing arguably nothing but success, and how do you bounce back from it? Michael, please uh, uh, say hi to the audience and introduce yourself. Well, hey, Joe, it is great to be here. I'm so appreciative of, of this form and this format. Um, you know, I I am just so impressed with the things that, that you are doing in such a very short period of time. It is such impressive, the uh, impressive to me. I'm Michael Rogers. I've had a, in, in my opinion, I think I've had a, a phenomenal career and had some great mentors and this is why I am a city manager or today or was a city manager today is because of those individuals that have really put uh, time and invested in me. I started off in this in the field of engineering. I'm a, I'm a civil engineer. And throughout my journey throughout the country, I really just wanted to be the best public works director possible. And I had so much success in, in cities like San Antonio and Peoria and in, in other areas in Michigan. And it was just a, a great journey. And every position that, that I took was an upward mobile position. So I never uh, took a, a lateral or anything like that. But I well, ended well, let up- me, let, let me interrupt you there, Michael, because first of all, I think you have one of the sexiest voices of any guest I've ever had on the show. I, I think you might want to. Did you have you have you have you ever done any mood lighting as a DJ? You got any uh, any record contracts that we don't know about in the background? Any uh, voiceover opportunities? Because you're killing it with this voice. You are so funny. You are so funny. Actually, yes, all the things that you talked about, I did when I was in college. Are you serious? You really did? Do, did you really? Oh, I was I just was. joking. Oh, because no, you have no, you, everything you talked about. I've I've actually done. So yeah. I was a, a DJ when I was in college, and uh, I loved it. I loved it. I was. This is a it. this is a totally unscripted moment. I was just wanted to bust your balls a little bit because you really do have a, an excellent voice. And I remember the first time we talked on the phone, I was like, "Damn, I wish I had a voice like that." And uh, I had no idea you were a DJ. Uh, so uh, this is a smooth operator. And I will tell you guys, Michael is underselling himself because when you look at his resume, it's a phenomenal career arc. So you were back in 2013. You were in Peoria, Illinois. You were a director of public works. A good sized city. You jump over to, I believe, Raleigh, the director of transportation for Raleigh, which is a, a massive uh, city. I have about half a million, right? Yes. Then you yes. jump. Then you jump over to Dallas and become the director of transportation for Dallas. I mean, we're talking the big D, right? The big D yes, Dallas. Big D Not, in Texas. I mean, yeah, and, we're talking. And it wasn't just becoming the director for Raleigh and for Dallas. I was uh, charged with setting up the departments. They had no departments of transportation oh, wow. prior oh, to. Wow. So I was hired with a specific task in developing these new departments. And and I could say this as a as a, you know, public works guy, public works guys do a phenomenal job at uh, you know taking care of the infrastructure, maintaining everything out there, dealing with the utilities, but 
there was something that each and every one of those cities was looking for was a little bit different than their public works departments that they had. They were looking for those linkages to economic development. They were looking for the linkage to housing, which housing issues is, is big in so many areas. They were also looking for mobility, making sure that the linkages of all of these things were tied together. And so they wanted their departments to focus a little bit differently than what public works traditionally does and be able to start the the planning for the for the future and and making sure that those plans were not just plans that we're looking at just repairing or building infrastructure, but doing it with a purpose. So when I say building with a purpose, if it was going to bring housing opportunities, better mobility options, economic development opportunities, that's what they were truly looking for. Not just to build, just to build, but right. to build things that would actually enhance the the community in numerous ways. So you have numerous wins, not just one win. Yeah, we repaired we repaired a bridge. No, no, right. we repaired a bridge. We put a, a cap over the freeway, put a park in, which you know had issues of of south versus north, and now we uh, connected the divide. Those are the types of things that they were both looking for. And now they they have that. Also, what was really great about both of those positions is setting up the departments, hiring everybody, you know, hiring the people as well and making sure that those hires were sustainable. You know, I'm hiring to replace me. Right. Which is a wonderful thing, which is a great right. thing. And that's kind of the, the philosophy that I have is I'm, I, whenever I hire people, I want to make sure that, hey, they can be me one day or take over for me at some point. I got to tell you, that's a refreshing thing to hear. And I think that if you are a talented, elite professional manager in the public or private sector, you shouldn't have any fear about bringing on somebody to underneath you, right? You should want to be replaced because the idea is that you're going to be replacing yourself by going out and getting the next step in your career arc that's going to be in your logical progression. And so I just, I don't understand a lot of that siloing off of information and the sabotaging of underlings and things like that, because you're trying to protect your turf, you know? Yeah. You, you can't do that. You, you should never, ever do that. And I'm going to tell you, how did, how did I get this philosophy? And I told you earlier in my intro that mentors, you know, I work with some great people. Cheryl Skelly has been a mentor of me and Basically, I, I looked at that scenario that we had in San Antonio, and that's what I've carried through. And I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that the folks that I've hired, and I, I'll, I'll talk about Dallas specifically. You know, w- when I was setting up a brand new department, data analytics, um, because I believe that any decision that you're going to uh, be reporting to a city council or if your uh, department head reporting up to the city manager or the ACMs, it needs to be data driven. We set up a data analytics department from scratch. And what I ended up doing is going out to SMU and getting the professor that taught data analytics, a Ph.D., to actually come in and she was the uh, assistant director of the department. I am so proud of, and can I mention her name, Britta Andercheck? She is the most phenomenal individual. She's the most awesome individual. And so she helped the department 
uh, in ways that I don't think ever happened before within the city of Dallas, looking at data and helping us build models that based on what we had done, where do we need to make our investments? And it was it's just so phenomenal to see when you when you really do the homework, um, just like what you do, Joe, in, in preparing for your interviews, doing your homework, understanding why things are happening, not just do a project just to be doing a project, but let me give you an example. They, they looked at you know, different crime statistics, looking at poverty, looking at land use, looking at where we've done projects, and they, they put some maps together, and there were some gaps. There were huge gaps that we didn't even realize, and we're wondering why are the, the crime rates so high in certain neighborhoods? Well, we were finding out that, guess what? We didn't have lighting. Simple things. I mean, it sounds simple, right? but we then started to prioritize where are we going to spend our money and we're going to spend it not to just provide the infrastructure, but this infrastructure is going to actually make our community safer. And so public lighting went into those areas that did not have lighting. And guess what? The crime rates in those areas has gone down. When you look at the city of Dallas today, it's one of the only large cities in this country that the crime rate is going down. So, you know, that uh, thanks to TC, uh, uh, the police chief Garcia over there. But I also say, and the mayor, Mayor Johnson, but it's also a credit to Britta because she was the one in her team in developing the models to really educate me, educate the rest of us within the city as to what we needed to do. And I just give you that one example, but there's tons of examples that, that exist where we then started using data to help us make the best decisions. So here, here's how good Britta is. Once I left the city of Dallas, that division within the department actually became a department. And wow. that is, I am so proud of her and what she's done because it didn't, that, that division didn't just support the department. It supported the entire city and right. the decision-making processes that we made. And so every time we looked at doing any type of project, we looked at the data, how this was going to affect the city, the community, crime rates, you know, doing a, a road project. Do you normally look at crime statistics when you're doing a road project? Most likely not. Are you looking at housing when you're doing road projects? Probably not. We did. Right. And I think that's a function of you being in such a large organization. Not that you can't take some of these lessons and apply them to smaller organizations, right? But when you are in an, an organization the size of Dallas, you can't just use your eyes and ears, right? And just sort of say, okay, we can identify this problem. It's more nuanced than that, like you said, because you need these data points because you're such a massive scale to see how they're all interrelated. And what I find fascinating about your career arc, uh, Michael, is that you have such this, you have such a comprehensive, multi-dimensional and multi-faceted understanding of how all these different aspects of of public government and the provision of services are interconnected and related. And I think that's what makes you a very talented and incredibly insightful uh, leader in this space, you know, because you have this understanding. And so what I'm kind of curious about is there is an interesting point in your career arc 
which I wouldn't call it a lateral move or a downgrade or anything like that, but it is a little bit kind of uh, peculiar. You go from being in this massive organization, Dallas, to a city manager in a town in in, in Texas, about 15,000. I think it's called Glen Heights, if I recall. 25,000. Yeah. Uh, 25, Right, which is a which is a, a smaller community, right? So you had to have a desire. What was the desire or impetus for you to leave such a large organization with such a huge responsibility to go off and to be a city manager for Glen Heights? What was the what was the motivation there? Well, the motivation started with Cheryl Scully, and okay. um, when I was with the city of San Antonio, that's when she saw something in me that uh, she said, you know what, you could be a city manager one day. However, with my career trajectory, being in these really, really large cities and basically just having a uh, an engineering background and, and public works background, Cheryl said to me, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to promote you here um, in the public works department. However, everything is its own department in a big city. Right. Her her advice to me: Go to a smaller city, Michael. She to said, get that "You know what? You're good exposure, exactly, yeah. because there, you know, even though it's a it's a great experience that you had, you need to pick up public safety. I had no public safety experience. You need to to understand more of the finance, more of every single department within the city, economic development, and so on and so forth, and." With that advice that she gave me, I left San Antonio. I would, I, you know, I'd still be in San Antonio because that was one of the greatest places on earth to work. And I'm going to tell you, it's because of the leadership that they had, and um, and and they still do because the uh, Eric Eric is the city manager today. He was there when I was there, and so that leadership that she provided was just phenomenal in the mentoring. And you look at the number of city managers today that came from San Antonio. I, and matter of fact, a shout out to another one of your, your followers, Brandon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My buddy, Brandon. Yep. He was there. He was there yep. when I was there. Yeah. He loves and Cheryl. So, yeah. Exactly. And we all love Cheryl and she worked us harder than anybody. I have never worked that hard. And you know, when None of us are leaving the office until late, late, late. You know, we're getting criticized for the, you know, the, the first iteration of something. But we, we, we loved it because we learned. Right. And, and she was just a phenomenal teacher. And so because of the things that she said, here I am. I'm, I, I got my little niche in uh, setting up these departments of transportation in Raleigh, in Dallas. But I wasn't still on my journey to become that city manager. When, when did so, you, when did you want to become a, did, did you always want to become a city no. manager? Because, okay, I was going to say, because I'm like, you're such an enigma to me a little bit, Michael, because you're have an engineering background, right? Which you sound nothing like a stereotypical engineer, at least from my <laughs> experience, right? You know what I mean? Uh, Engineers make great city managers, by the way. Okay, well, nice, <laughs> nice plug for your professional, your your brothers and sisters in the engineering profession, right? Absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of city managers in this particular part of California that that actually came up through the public works arena who are engineers. But it, it does take an, an individual that um, is not just textbook, you know, looking at oh, 
this is how uh, you put together the widget, but you, you know, you have to have a little bit of emotional intelligence and, right. and other things as well to, to be successful in this industry. At what point did you decide that you want to become a city manager? Um, actually everything, my whole trajectory changed in San Antonio. It was okay. in San Antonio. What was that? Like 2013, I think I had to look at my resume. I'm not sure what year that was, but when I was in San Antonio, I, I just, you know, I, when you see good, actually, I didn't, it didn't see good. I saw great. When I saw great with Cheryl Scully, I, I wanted to be like that. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how phenomenal this human being is. I mean, we just, we wanted, many of us wanted to be like that. I mean, I'll never achieve the heights that she has had within her career, but that is always a goal that I have to be like that and to take the things that I've learned from her. And it's interesting talking to all of the colleagues that I had uh, when I was there who are now around the country who are city managers or in the city manager's offices we all appreciate her. I haven't heard not a single person that didn't say uh, that hasn't said great things about that experience. And we worked harder than and then we ever have in our careers. But she prepared us for the future. And that's the philosophy that I take. And, you know, about, uh, you know, getting back to the question that you had, uh, one of the things that I really didn't have on my my resume is public safety. And so here I am, you know, going through this journey and I've picked up, you know, just about every single department I've I've had been responsible for, but public safety. Well, Glen Heights was an area that I went to much smaller community than any others in my trajectory. But as one thing, as as the, the, the deputy city manager there, I was over public safety as well and internal investigations and all of that. You know what? Sometimes, and I said I didn't take a lateral because that wasn't a lateral to me. It's if I have an opportunity to learn, to grow, I'm not afraid of going into areas I've never had the experience in because how are you going to grow as an individual? And that's why that position came up. Yeah, I don't consider that a lateral at all. I mean, to me, if you're trying to get to be a city manager spot, uh, you got you got to make that jump, and you're you're going to have to get in. And what I find interesting about this conversation, I want to come back to a few points before we get too far down the road, because you hit a couple points that are, I think are really important. One is you talked about getting the sort of some career breadth or exposure, comprehensive exposure to the whole city dynamic. You know, I've had quite a few. I shouldn't say quite a few. I've had a handful of public work directors who have communicated to me that they would like to become a city manager. But a few of them have been sort of public works directors for 10, 15, 20 years. That's all they, that's all they know. And so they become locked into this department as a specialist when you need to have a a more of a generalist background to get into that city management profession. So you must have been conscientious of the fact that you were maybe, I don't want to get, say you're getting typecast or stereocast, you know, it's stereotyped into a certain role, but that had to be, I guess, in your mind when you were thinking about, I need to make a jump, right? Yeah. It, it, you know, and it really, it really hit home when I was in Dallas as well. Hey, you know, I'm, I have the ultimate confidence in my ability. So I put in for a few city manager gigs when I was uh, head of the department of transportation, I kept coming out number two. 
There was a okay. stretch that I was number two, the number two finalist, you know, the bridesmaid, the bridesmaid, right. the bridesmaid. But then I started to see what was what was something in common with the individuals that actually did get selected. And guess what? They weren't department heads. They were yeah. either city managers or, or deputy right? or yeah. ACMs. Yep. And yep. so I needed also to have the title and the experience. And, and that's why I really left the city of Dallas. It, that was a great experience as well, which I bet. Uh, the city manager there is another disciple of Cheryl Scully. You talk TC TC Broadnax, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's right. And you know, and that's the second point that I want to hit on because you're talking about Cheryl Scully and the coaching tree, and it goes back to the earlier part of our conversation about hiring your future replacement, right? Like, I take great pleasure, and I've only been in much smaller organizations, so I don't have the same number or quantity of of uh, pupils or or mentees or anything like that. But but I love the idea of being an instrumental figure in someone's career arc and trying to get them to, from one, point A to point B to point C. And I think, you know, it kind of goes back to the old coaching vernacular or, or, or whatnot, you know, the coaching tree, right? You talk about like, you know, for example, famous coaches in the NFL or what have you, you know, what, what's their coaching tree look like? What what have they produced as their, their assistant coaches and their position coaches and have they come up and become head coaches? And so I think that's a testament to what you're saying about with Cheryl and, and her ability to cultivate additional leaders within the organization that then go out and start their own journey on their own. I I think that's such a great analogy that you talked about coaches. I'm an athlete or a former athlete. I look at how those coaches are and, and yeah, you, you have to build your team. You have to build future leaders within your organization. If you do not do that, I don't, I don't call myself successful if it's not about the human beings and making sure that they're ready to have the journey, whatever journey it is that they want, but to get them prepared for that journey. And so, you know, I've, I've had staff members that they really didn't want to be in public service anymore. They had been fed up about it. But my thing is, how can I help you in another field, whether it's you want to go into the nonprofit world or something like that, that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We, we, we can't feel threatened or anything like that. And so just trying to help individuals throughout their career for me is so important because I've had it. I mean, and that's what makes it easy for me to do this because I wouldn't even be a city manager today if it wasn't for others who saw something in me. I didn't, right. I didn't think twice about being a city manager before Cheryl. Yeah, that, see, that's the thing for me. I, I one of the one of the things I take the most joy and fulfillment of in my position is being able to give opportunities to people who don't necessarily fit the traditional mold of what that person should be. And I love giving people opportunities. I've had a couple of examples of that in my short career, my short tenure as a city manager, and that is from a, on a personal you know, intra organizational level has been the most fulfilling. You know, and I want to. I want to hit this little point here because we're going to come into it when we get to your stint and Tracy, but you sang the praises of Cheryl Scully multiple times in this interview. And it's fascinating to me because I've talked about this on my LinkedIn posts and even on my podcast, how you can be an excellent city manager and still get fired. <laughs> and, oh, or, it happens or, all the yeah, time. Right. 
And I know she didn't get fired per se, but you know, you had this whole political dynamic and she talks about in her book, greedy bastards. And so I won't, I won't relive it here, but you know, she basically was pushed out of the organization through political maneuvering on term limits for city managers, which is one of the most asinine things I, I can think of. But it boggles my mind that we work in a profession, and I, I, I know you're going to be able to weigh in on this uh, yourself, Michael, but we work in a profession where we can do our job, do our jobs well, be publicly lauded for our jobs by our own governing body, and then a few months later, uh, we are in the unemployment line. Um, you know, so... That kind of is my little segue into your jump from Glen Heights into Tracy. So Tracy is up near the Silicon Valley. I don't know if it's technically Silicon Valley or not. I'm a SoCal boy in NorCal. We're, we're right bit. outside of Silicon okay. Valley. So we have, we're a, uh, Tracy is a, a, a lot less expensive and much more affordable than the Silicon Valley area. Right. So we have um, a bedroom community here where, we're about just shy of 100,000, but a lot of individuals that chose to live here actually work in Silicon Valley because yeah. when you look at the housing values it's here, oh my God, it's, it's, well, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and imagine, yeah. I came from Texas to Northern California, the shock that I felt. <laughs> yes. Usually it's the reverse. People are leaving California for Texas, as they say, because of the housing. So uh, the housing disparity in the prices. So you, you make this decision to go to California, right? You, and Tracy's a big step up, uh, at least on paper from Glen Heights. It's an, another, again, another one of those uh, progressions in your career arc that shows that you are a successful leader, a successful manager, so forth and so on. Let's talk about your journey to California and Tracy. So were you looking to go to California exclusively or did it just sort of be, just sort of seem to be the right job at the right time? What Walk us through that, that because you've been in Texas for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love Texas, by the way. You know, coming out to California was not necessarily something that uh, I ever had any desire to do. Um, however, there was a connection. And for me, I think it's, um, you know, having some type of connection within the city that you may go to. My wife lived in the Central Valley area for a little uh, while. Okay, gotcha. And so when, when the opportunity came up, I knew she had been here before. There was a connection. She still, you know, has relationships with individuals before all of this happened. And, and, and that's really important to me is to, I mean, not necessarily just go into a city and, and, you know, I'm, I'm all alone and I have no relationships with anybody, even though I, I have no problem building new relationships, but I wanted to have that connection. So that's why Tracy came up is because of my wife and, and her connection to the particular area. But I had not been out to that area. You know, I've been in San Francisco, been in Silicon Valley, right. and, and, you know, I've always had great experiences when I've been out here. And I said, you know what, this is, this is going to be okay. This is going to be all right. I, you know, right. not, well, not and, looking and, and, at the, the cost well, of living, but yeah. Well, and Michael, and, and, and I mean, I'm not to be flippant here, but why wouldn't it be okay if I'm, if I'm you and I'm in your shoes, everywhere I've gone, I've performed, I've risen through the ranks, I've crushed it. So, yeah. so you go to Tracy, right? And Everything seems to be fine. You you started in Tracy again. You were there for how? Well, why don't you walk us through your little background, on Tracy? So when did you start? And uh, you obviously just got you know separated just recently. But why don't yeah. you walk us through yeah. that? I, I went there in uh, December of twenty one, 
So I started there in December of 21. Let me give you just a little little background about the city. When the opportunity came about, it has been a city that uh, has had numerous city managers. You know, this city is now working on, <laughs> I don't know, is probably about number nine, eight city managers in, in the last 10 years. So when I was looking at the position, yes, I did my research. I saw, you know, the turnover. And let me tell you, and some of the, the former individuals that were in the city manager's seat are phenomenal individuals. Yeah, we're not we're not talking about bush league managers here. We're talking no. about legit managers. Oh, legit managers who are well known to everybody in the profession today. It's not like they were, you know, just you know there and screwed up or whatever. But it it just um yeah it was it, I saw the challenges that they had, and you know what? Here's the journey when when you are eager to get that first gig as a city manager. You know, I I was naive. I was naive in saying, okay, I you know, I could fix all of that, you know, I feel real confident. And, you know, my my whole background was delivering, delivering on projects and and making sure that uh, that stuff got done right away. But there's more to it in communities. You can't just deliver projects. You got to build relationships too. And I think that Michael, I think that's a huge part of this. And I touched on this a little bit with uh, Daniel Rosemont in our sequence of, of, of interviews. And I've talked about this in, in posts is uh, there's an interesting section in Daniel's book where he talks about what is more important, delivering the results, delivering the services, the products, or how you go about doing it. And there's so much art to this business of being a city manager, which to me is a fascinating thing because you, with your engineering background, is also like, hey, engineering is like you follow the, the data, the numbers, it's you know, it's concrete, black and white, so forth and so on, right? And we all know the reputation jokingly of engineers and what have you, right? But the the city manager position really is a people business and it really is about relationships. And so it, it comes back time and time again. And I want to reiterate this to you, especially to any aspiring city managers who are listening to this podcast, that when you become a city manager, it's not just about your performance. And this is kind of what you're going into about the relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's a lot more than than just your performance. You can perform exceptionally, which I did. However, you know what? Your bosses are, they control the, the, the your destiny in, in having a job. And so what if you are able to complete every project that that's on the on the table that really doesn't matter but building those relationships making sure that they're strong is 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 so important in what we do and and you can't lose sight of that i mean i i look at it as like a it's like a three-legged stool here you know and if you, if you miss out on one aspect of it you're, you're not going to last very long in this industry. So, you know, dealing with the relationships, dealing with, you know, the council priorities, making sure that they're all hit as well, but also building the relationships with the businesses, with your community. Also, you, you, you have to be able to do that to be successful. But Michael, that's what also makes this job a very challenging deal, right? Because it's not just about building the relationships because you can build the relationships and you can be successful, but then the, the script gets flipped on you, an election comes, and you have a whole entirely different group of individuals that 
might be coming in with predisposed positions or opinions about you. And you never even interacted with these people. You never even had relationships. I mean, you went from a situation where you were crushing it. You received a great performance review in your annual review. I, I think you even got a raise. I'll, I'll let did. you go through those details, right? Yeah. And then a couple months later, you're being shown the door because there's an, an election and an upheaval, right? I mean, that's 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 yeah. the reality of the business that we're in. Pretty much, pretty much. And, and let me, you know, and, and let me just summarize, though, why you have to have a, a lot of political uh, awareness and political acumen as well. Tracy is, and, and this is just Michael Rogers' opinion of what I've seen, why there's been so much uh, uh, turnover and turmoil within our city, is a lot of this happens to be about growth. When you look at our situation here, this was a agricultural area, a railroad city, and, and it was small. However, because of the economics of what is going on in the entire Bay Area, people said, gosh, we can't afford you know, a, a million plus dollar house, little tiny 600 square foot house costing a million dollars in the Bay Area. We can't do that. So, you know, we're going to live in Tracy and, you know, we won't have to pay that much, but we're going to have to drive, but we're willing to take that sacrifice. And so when you have a, a community that is going through change and especially a growth situation, it, it it's challenging for those who have been there to actually then start to see this is not the city I grew up in. This is not the city that I raised my family within. And so you start to then create a little bit of divide. And so now you have this new group of individuals that are in your community that really don't have the ties to the community, don't know the history, you know, the community. I mean, everybody jumps in their car or gets on the train, goes over the hill to the bay and they come back late. So there's not a whole lot of uh, people being active within the political realm. And so you then have the individuals that have been in the community are very active because, you know, they have the time and they're here and they're right. not worn out because of a two hour commute that yep. they've had to get to work every day. And so it creates a growth versus a no growth or a slow growth situation. This community has shown that it, it has a little bit of concern about the growth. There was a measure A that was passed here. And it was it's a slow growth measure to yeah. only ensure so many homes can be built every single year. So it has intentionally done something to try to slow the growth. Well, during the pandemic, gosh, where, where people could live anywhere and, and work remotely, oh my gosh, the, the area of Tracy is, is exploding because right. now the folks in the in the Bay Area could say, okay, we can we can live in this really big house, pay a fraction of what we were paying in the Bay Area. And guess what? I could still do my job. And if I have to commute one day or two days a week, I can it's do manageable. that. It's not, yeah, not it's a manageable. big deal. Not a big yeah, deal. Absolutely. Right. So you have this a growth explosion that has occurred. And, and, and that's where you have the two sides of this situation is growth versus no growth. And look at my background with the council that hired me. I mean, it was about 
delivering on projects. It was about, hey, we got this capital program. We need it delivered. You know, we have this housing situation. We need to start to address many of these issues. And guess what? I, I was able to deliver upon those things. And thus, the performance that I received or performance review was exceptional. Right. And then we did have a new council that came in. And I think that's where a lot of things uh, truly changed. And this is where a lot of things on my part, actually the mistakes that I made. Well, know? let's, let's, let's talk about that in a second, Michael, but I want to make a, I want to make a point here. So this is something I've talked about before, and that is we are as city managers, we are tasked with carrying out the vision, the directives, the objectives of the governing body. And what happens is oftentimes City managers in the public eye, especially if you're in a highly partisan or political environment dynamic, the city manager, even though he's he or she is just doing the job of the governing body, becomes associated or tied or considered one in the same with that governing body. And so when you have a council change or upheaval during election time, it's not uncommon for the city manager to get thrown out with the bathwater, so to speak. And it's frustrating because there's a there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the role of the city manager is. And we as city managers, we're not there advocating or pushing our agenda. We're not there pushing our goals and objectives. We're carrying out the goals and assignments that were given to us by the governing body. So when the new governing body comes, just give us the new assignment. And that's what we got to make the pivot and go do. You're getting at. Yeah, I I know where you're getting at. However, there's still another aspect of this as well. When you say, for instance, you have a old council that has initiatives that you haven't finished yet. You know, I think that's where. You mean in in the pipeline? It's in the the pipeline pipeline? already. The council already had adopted that. Here, staff, we need for you to finish X, Y, or Z. Okay. And now your new council comes in and says, we have no desire for you to finish X, Y, or Z. We don't believe that. Um, That's where I think it becomes a little bit of a challenge because here you have a directive, you have resolutions that say you're going to do this. And when the next council comes in, how do you then effectively address that? And so I saw some things that that went down just like that, that that really, you know, I probably could have done and, and really needed to do a better job in those types of transitions when you're charged with getting something done with the previous council. And it, it's still it's still on record. You need to do X, Y and Z, but your new council doesn't want to do it. So so. so- so a minute ago, you alluded to making some mistakes. And again, we all make mistakes, especially a first-time city manager. What what are some things that you felt like you maybe could have done better to, I don't know. Do you think, do you think that you could have avoided these mistakes and not have been separated from your position? Or do you think that was going to happen no matter what? I, you know what? I, I, I don't know if I would have been um, uh, separated or not. But there's things that I've learned, so I can't, you know, I can't get into the minds of, of a city council. However, sure. I can get into my mind and, and you know, assess what could I have done differently. One of the things, as we talked about, the relationships. Relationships are so important, especially when you have a new council that, that comes in. With the other, the old council, with the mayor, I mean, and I know some of the other city managers may face this situation as well. When you have a one of your electeds that 
um, especially if you have a mayor that um, is not employed anywhere else. Okay. They're in the office most of the time. I mean, that's so, like their job, what you're saying. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. It's, their, it's pretty much their job. So, in essence, you have lots of meetings with that individual because they're there every day. And with some others that, that may have jobs, then you may not meet with them as much. You may not have that opportunity to, to really get to know them. And, and that, that is where it, kind of a divide can come in as well. Because one, one from the outside could say, oh my gosh, look, this city manager is always meeting with so-and-so. Right. Well, that's the thing, yeah. The preferential treatment or other all the yeah. time. That's yeah. why you meet with so and so all the time. Yeah. But when you then have others that don't necessarily come in or want to to meet on a regular basis, I think where I've made some mistakes is I should have done more to try to reach out to those individuals that did not come in on a regular basis. I mean, they just might have come in during the uh, council meetings. Because if you don't reach out, how do you build trust, which is, a, you know, a, a part of the relationship? And I didn't do enough to that. You know what? I would provide uh, responses to text, to phone calls, things of that nature, provide the memos, do the reports, do the council agendas, but really didn't necessarily get to understand or know them. But and you know, that's my- what... I think could have done better in trying to get to know them as human beings and what makes them tick. So then I could adjust my style to kind of support what they needed. Yeah, that's a very important point. It kind of goes back and I don't want to be repeating myself over and over, but it does come back to the difference between the results and the relationship. Right. And I think oftentimes I'm guilty. I'll put, I'll just speak for myself. I'm guilty of thinking, well, my results are so spectacular then I'm naturally going to have the confidence and the support of the governing body. And, and while I've had nothing but great relationships so far with my governing bodies, there have been times where I've realized that, you know, actually, if I did have a stronger relationship with this individual, or if maybe I had been a little bit more proactive and engaging with this member of the governing body, I really could have avoided this sort of this little detour that we took that things got a little rocky because uh, honestly i think a lot of times governing body members of the governing body when they feel disconnected from their city manager that's when things go awry yeah yeah you're you're absolutely right and that's that that third leg of the stool is making sure that you know those relationships are okay i mean you, you have to build trust with them if they don't trust you you know you're you're not going to be there very long Right. And so your part of your job as a city manager is building trust with those that ultimately make the, the final decisions, uh, the policymakers. And you don't you just can't take things for granted just because you're delivering on the infrastructure or delivering upon whatever council initiatives. It's not enough. It's not enough. And this is a really complex field because many of us may think that, hey, we're doing a great job. But if you have a, you know, one council member that that hates your guts and can influence others, you might be doomed. Seriously. I mean, and that's that's what um, is really challenging about about the position that that we're in. Yeah, let's talk about the election then. So the election happens in November. I'm not sure how Tracy works. I think the council members might be seated either in December or early January, right? And of 2023. 
And yes. when did when did things start to go awry, or did you feel like it was instantaneous? Or what, what, walk us through this progression because the election happens and you're out the door within about seven months after that after they're seated. Actually, it was less than that. It was less okay. it was like five months. Five okay. months. It was five months after my excellent performance review. Well, there was a few other things and a few of the lessons that I've learned here. Uh, I, I told you I was a former athlete. So as a former athlete at a high level, uh, we sometimes now, as we get older, have issues with our body. And uh, one of the issues that I've had longstanding is uh, with my knee. I've had numerous knee surgeries in the past. And I was at a conference with one of our council members and I could not bear, I, I could barely walk. I was in so much pain and this was in January. And so I went to urgent care and the doctor said, you need to get into surgery immediately. It is that bad. It is that bad. So I uh, scheduled to have my knee replaced. And so I was out. I was out. They said it's going to be six to eight weeks. Yikes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's part of the lesson that I've learned as a city manager. Not um, great timing. Not great timing not, with a new council. Yeah. And a first horrible, gig. Yeah. yeah. Horrible, horrible timing. It, it's something that I needed to do. However, you know, even going on medical leave through this time, I, I would not do that the same. I would do that totally different. And so I put others, uh, I put an acting in charge. And, you know, even though it's a period of time and trust me, uh, the first few weeks, you do not want to be the city manager because of the pain meds that you're on, you'll be making right. some bad decisions. But one, one of the things that, that I probably uh, could have done differently or should have done differently is soon as, you know, I got off the, the, the pain meds and started to, to walk again. I, I should have come back to the city and off of my medical leave. Uh, why, why do I say this is, is because I I'm looking at, I'm looking at the council meetings and well, I'm I got, seeing, I got I to gotta stop you there though, Michael, because what about work-life balance? What about all the stuff? What about taking care of your personal health needs? I mean, so, you know, that, that's the, that's the stuff we hear all the time, all the time, but this is where the real world meets the uh, theoretical, right? Hey, the council hired you to be the leader of the organization. If you give that up, which some could look at it as I gave that away. I mean, this is a medical situation and I need right. to get better. But, you know, putting others in charge, I should have stayed in charge. I mean, I, you know, in, in today's world where you can work remotely and do all of these things, I should have really continued to do what I did a little bit sooner because I'm watching city council meetings and I'm seeing an erosion of the city manager's office just hit every well, single meeting. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm having issues. Here's, here's the reason why I really felt that, you know, uh, the doctor said I needed to heal. And here I'm thinking that, you know, here's pride. I'm former athlete and all. When you get a knee replacement, you have to learn how to walk once again. I'm, I'm a prideful dude. I don't want my team to see me on a walker learning right. how to walk again. You know, by the way, I'm great today. I thank God for uh, this knee replacement. I wish I would have done it earlier, but it was hell uh, going through that rehab, trying to get myself better and walking, learning to walk once again. 
You know, yeah. I was kind of embarrassed. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to go to a council meeting on a walker. That yeah. no way. But, you know, hindsight is 2020. And I'm looking at, God, here was the opportunity that was needed to displace me. I mean, I'm away. All of these things can happen. And I'm looking at council meetings and I'm seeing, oh, my God, through the code of conduct, all of the, the authority of the city manager is being shifted over to a city attorney. And I'm well, like, oh, my well, goodness. So who was who was put in place to lead the organization while you were on your medical leave? Who was the was there an acting city manager? or yeah. What was the dynamic? There, there was there was an acting city manager. Um, and it was uh, and, one of the uh, ACMs I, I put in charge to be the acting city manager. Okay. And I met with met with city council members before I left, and we talked about uh, the issues that they felt was uh, important for us to to cover so the acting city manager would be fully prepared in my absence so we met with all of them uh just to try to make sure this transition would be good but my goodness it was uh there was a uh, i would say like a sneak attack that took place to take over the city manager's uh responsibility and was that coming from the city attorney's office it it was it was written by the city attorney's office yes Okay. And we're talking about Bijal Patel, correct? Who's been in the yeah, news recently? Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. So so this is something I've been wanting to talk about, and I don't know how much you want to get into this or, or not, Michael, but this is something I, you know, I, I read hundreds of articles <laughs> and I see from time, time and time, I shouldn't say time and time again, but I see repeating this pattern. Oftentimes a city attorney will have an outsized influence on the council or the dynamic between the city manager and the governing body. And did Patel, the city attorney, engage in a power struggle or, or, or some sort of manipulation that sort of deep six your tenure with the city? Well, I just, you know what, I, I'm one that that likes to take personal responsibility. And, you know, I can't blame anybody else but but me for my own actions. So, you know, I, I won't sit here and say the city attorney did this, did that. It's what did I do and what didn't I do? And when I look at, you know, the situations that, that I talked about, you know, just building the relationships, making sure that, you know, even during uh, the, the surgery that I was still more active and engaged with the community. Those are the things that, that I could have done. So I don't really want to get into what someone else may or may not have done to me because I can control me. I can't control anybody else. And, you know, that's just how I, I try to live my life. And, you know, what? and, and that's why I, I sleep well at night because I don't want to think about, oh, geez, man, Joe, I'm, uh, what's Joe going to do to me? What, how's he going to? No, no. You know yeah. what? I'm going to I'm going to think about, you know, me. And, you know, this is about being, I guess, a little bit selfish, but I can't control you. I can't control right. you, nor do but I want to. But here's the thing, Michael, like, you know, I understand and I respect the, your answer. You're a leader and you're, you're, you're being, um, you know, you're being professional and, and magnanimous to to some degree, but I consider myself an advocate for the professionals who I think are getting beat up all the time and being treated harshly. And when I look at your situation, there's nothing that I've seen that suggests that you should have been fired, separated, pushed out from the organization. So even though I, I, I respect that you're saying you want to take responsibility for the things that you could have done better or whatnot, 
let's make it very clear. You don't feel like you should have been separated from the organization. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Good. Within the organization. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely wanted to stay within the organization. I enjoyed what I did. Let me just say that I enjoy, I enjoy being here in Tracy. I enjoy what I did. The community is phenomenal. I was learning every day. And, you know, even if you're in the top spot, you should learn a lot every day. And, you know, the relationships that I built with others uh, was was great. Obviously, there's a few more that I should have built uh, stronger relationships with. But it was a it was a, a, a very great experience. I am so proud of the team that I had and the accomplishments that they achieved in the short period of time I was here. I am not one that that sits around bitter, you know, because I could spend my whole life in this little realm of, oh, damn them. They did me wrong and never get over it, never get beyond it and start to live my life the way I need to, the way I need to for my family. You know, sometimes putting putting things behind you is really important as well. I mean, I, you never forget these things, but you learn from those experiences. And that's what I've taken away from this this situation is what could I have done differently? And yeah, there was a lot of lessons learned there for me. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. And I respect that. And I will tell you that my first interaction with you or my first awareness of who you are as a city manager was when I was reading a story about how they were trying to oust you. And there was a lot of controversy about that. There was a, a particular uh, art article about a resolution where there was like this litany of supposed charges or accusations. There's like It was ridiculous. It was like 13 different things that supposedly you had violated. Was that put together by Patel? And yes. Or that, okay. Yes. And and okay. here's the thing: nobody ever talked to me, not one time, about anything I was accused of. You think about that. Nobody ever talked to me about those items, and I found out about those items 24 hours prior to the meeting. Wow. And you're out. Were you out on leave at this time when this is happening? Now, I came back early because all of this stuff was starting to happen. So okay. And yeah. so you, so, so well, you didn't, let, let me, let me just make one, one clarification. So I'm, I'm seeing the code of conduct was being changed, uh, to take away much of the authority of the city manager. And it was also, um, taking away some of the authority for the mayor's office as well. And so I came back, um, there was an, that item to change the code of conduct was on the agenda. It was put together by the acting city manager at that particular time. So I came back and this was my very first meeting back. I pulled the item off of the agenda because in Tracy, the city manager can pull any item off an agenda. So I pulled it off just to make sure that it was looked at a little more thoroughly. And I pulled it off for a date certain. It was two weeks. That's all I did is pull yeah, it wasn't an indefinite. Item off yeah. Okay. For two weeks. So I could really thoroughly take a look at it and make sure that I had at least some comments on this. Because I did have lots of comments, but I, I just needed a little more time. So I, I pulled the item for date certain. Well, this 
uh, move of pulling this item off just sent everybody, a lot of people in a, in a, a frenzy. And from there, lo and behold, later in that meeting, a motion came about to change the supermajority rule where this city has a, uh, a supermajority where it takes four of the five to fire a city manager or a city attorney. Well, there was a resolution that was put together during the meeting to, or excuse me, a motion was put together during the meeting to fire or, or change the supermajority to a simple majority just to fire the manager. We need to go back in time a little bit. So yes, this is very important. What a lot of people don't know uh, who are listening to this podcast is that the city of Tracy has had quite a tumultuous history with their city manager and city attorney positions. And the, uh, the San Joaquin uh, County Grand Jury put together a report that basically said, hey, Tracy, you're so dysfunctional, and I'm going to use my words, you're such an absolute dumpster fire right now. You need to basically put in place a supermajority so that you can have a supermajority in order to fire a city attorney or a manager so you can get some sort of stability back into the local governmental process. Is that a fair representation of what the that grand jury? That is very fair, yes. Okay. That's exactly what, what happened. And there were other items that led to the code of conduct. Because there was, uh, it was such a turnover. I mean, it, it, I mean, when, when you talk about, you know, seven or eight in 10 years, I mean, that is tough. That's tough for the staff. That's tough for the community. That's tough for everybody because of the lack of consistency. Absolutely. And so, I mean, it was just so bad that the grand jury had to, to, to step up and say, hey, the, Tracy, these are the things that you need to do. So the council adopted those to, items to their and, credit, the, yeah. to the credit, the council made these changes and the then former, former council. Yes, the right. former. Yes, exactly. The former council. And then in a peak of uh, anger, temper tantrum and whatnot, the new majority on the council says, hey, we're going to change these rules to, because all it required was a simple majority of a vote on the council to change the supermajority requirement to get rid of a city manager back to a majority vote, right? So they basically yeah, just undermined yeah. They just wanted to undermine what the grand jury stated, which was defeats the entire purpose of what the whole grand jury report conclusion was. Right, exactly. And and at, at the at the end of the day, as a city manager, when you have a majority of your council members that don't want you there anymore, that believe you are not a good fit. All they have to do is talk to you. I, and that's for me, it's, if you don't want me there, just talk to me. You don't have to put out, you know, a smear campaign to get rid of me. Just tell me, uh, we want to go in a different direction. I'm a big boy. I understand this industry. I will leave if you don't want me there. The do majority. you? Do you? I don't know if you feel comfortable answering this question. Do you feel that the smear campaign that was being waged by the city attorney Patel was that coming from her own um, power motivations or moves, or do you think that that was at the direction of members on the governing body? You know what? I I, I have no idea. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know where that came from, but. Uh, you know, it, it did happen. It did happen regardless of where it came from. Um, you know, the fact that uh, I was dealing with a whole litany of items that nobody had ever talked to me about. 
that I had 24 hours to, to look at and never had an opportunity to defend myself whatsoever. And here it is, we're, we're trying to, to clear a pathway to fire a city manager. You know what I had to do is resign. I had to yeah. resign. And that's why I resigned. Um, because, you know, I, all did you they had any, to do is talk to me. That, did that's you give all any, they had to do. Did you give any, because I, I talked, uh, asked a few other people in the business and um, with California expertise, and there were some concerns that maybe that your, um, your rights had been violated with this whole process. Did you give any consideration uh, to possibly filing a lawsuit against the city of Tracy? Or was that something that was just a non-starter for you being in your first gig? No, what I, when, when I got, when I, uh, when that article or when the resolution came out to change the supermajority. And they're talking about all of these reasons. Those are personnel issues, by the way, right. which really should be talked about in closed close session. session. So, you know, that, in, in my opinion, is, is an issue. But here it is. I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, God, it's slander. And so I did have to get an attorney to kind of help me through that process, I mean, 24 hours and here I'm being accused of a whole bunch of stuff nobody's ever talked to me about. So my thing was, okay, I have a contract and here's what I, I wanted my attorney to do is all I'm looking for is just for you to honor my honor. contract and pay right. me my severance and I will find another opportunity somewhere else. But, okay. you know, you're going to put me through all of this is, is just not not right because through this process, and I have really good relationships with some of the former city managers as well. I mean, they're telling me this is about, this is what's going to happen next. I mean, it's like it was done out of a playbook. And right. so, and they got to the point of actually firing some of the other city managers that were here. So, you know what, for me, it was, let, let, let me get on with my life right. as quickly as possible. I've been I've been working since the age of 14. I love working. I love being active. I love being engaged in things. And so my end result here was let me, you know, let me separate here and make sure that I have an opportunity to start anew. And, you know, I, I, and I want to get back to some of the things that I've talked about relationships and building those relationships along the way for city managers, please do that. Do not underestimate the, the amount of time and effort that you have to do to build those relationships. I'm going to tell you the day that I resigned, so many people reached out to me. They offered me positions. And what is, what is so funny that I would never thought I would be in a situation in my life where here I am, I'm an unemployed person. But, you know, I got all of these great people throughout the country that I've built relationships with that are saying, hey, we got an opportunity. We got you. That's awesome. But, That's but awesome. you know what? It's got to be. And a part of the lesson that I've learned throughout this journey as well is it's got to be the right fit for not only you, for your family. And I know Joe, you've talked about some of these things before and you're right on the money. Your family situation is so vital to turn down opportunities, which I never thought would happen. Uh, you know, I looked at where they were, what they were doing, 
is that where I wanted to be, where I wanted to, you know, stay there long-term things of that nature. And no, I, you know, I appreciate the individuals that, that I have these relationships with that wanted to offer me opportunities, but I want it to be the right thing where, wherever it is that I land. So, you know, I'm still unemployed at this particular point. I'm working to try to get back in the industry. I want to come back to that point in a second, but I want to pivot to something else. And, uh, you know, this is the city manager unfiltered. And uh, so I got to throw some hardball questions in here a little bit. And uh, you may may or may not want to answer, but you know some of my feelings about the ICMA and, and what have you. And I've observed your situation. You just talked a minute ago about how you have this uh, this coup essentially put forth by the city attorney and, and these efforts to undermine the power of the city manager position. I criticize the ICMA quite a bit for what I believe lack of advocacy on behalf of us as professionals. And the rebuttal I often hear is that the ICMA is here to advance the profession, not the professionals. And yet in this case specifically, uh, you have a situation where the power of the city manager was being undermined by this movement or by this effort on this on the city attorney. And I don't believe the ICMA ever weighed in on your particular case or your particular situation. And the other reason why I highlight this is because the former president of the ICMA, Troy Brown, was a former city manager who went through a similar negative experience in Tracy. Has the ICMA provided any assistance or done anything or spoke out on behalf of, that I'm not aware of with respect to your situation in Tracy? Um, Troy and I spoke along the way during during this whole process. I mean, he was he was such a, a valuable resource uh, because he had been through through the same exact situation and or a similar situation. And so he was great as a resource to to kind of understand what what the next step was going to be that they were going to take. However, from the standpoint of ICMA in general, I would have, I would like, or would have liked for ICMA to potentially, you know, come to council meetings and kind of defend the individuals as well. I think it's important that we have organizations that are there to support those individuals that make up ICMA. Now, what support that I'm receiving now is they have manager in transition program. And thank goodness they they do have that. They take care of uh, the conferences and they want you to continue to have continuing ed. That that's great. But I'm unemployed, and um, I think there's I think there's a void in an entity that can help those city managers who are currently going through situations. And I, I really think that there's an opportunity out there for maybe um, some type of entity that can really help to protect the city manager because we need that support because sometimes it's not an attack on the city manager's office, but it's, no, it's an on attack the person on the city manager on the person. And that's right. where I'm finding we just don't have a whole lot of support out here. And this is why, uh, Joe, I'm so happy that you and I have connected because I, I see you and I see the the opportunity here to have a paradigm shift when it comes to the individuals who are city managers. And something has to has to change. We can't continue to do this. I mean, there I think there's room 
for multiple organizations. ICMA does a, you know, they do a great job with protecting the city manager form of government. A wonderful job with that. But protecting the city manager, who's there? I don't know. Nobody's there. I mean, honestly, and I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal here, but outside of me and me, me publicly going out and shouting from the rooftops, there's not a lot of people or entities out there that are standing up for managers. And I do think there needs to be a paradigm shift. And I do think there needs to be a reckoning. I do think there needs to be an accounting. And I do think more needs to be done to help professional city managers as their per on the, the person, the professional themselves. And, you know, I, I find a lot of things and I'm not trying to constrict you into my battle with ICMA. Uh, I'm not anti hundred percent, everything ICMA does, but I find the ICMA's silence when it comes to the hostile, illegal activities or actions that are perpetrated or persecuted uh, against the city manager, they're silent. And I just find it very disheartening. And it's very frustrating because you're going through a situation not only where your personal reputation has a potential of being damaged or tarnished, but you also have the city management profession being undermined by this coup attempt by the city attorney. And yet, I feel the ICMA has been silent and that, you know, I'm I'm not going to force you to to get on your soapbox and say anything more on that. That's just something I wanted to get out there, Michael. I believe that there does need to be a paradigm shift and I believe there does need to be a reckoning. And I do think something needs to be done. And that's why I talked about in episode one of my my podcast about my desire to create not only a greater sense of community and professional and personal advancement for city managers, but also an advocacy arm. And I find there's, I just find there to be some disingenuousness to the ICMA, for example, when I see them talk about reputation management, for example, on their website, right? They have a relationship with uh, Trapepe Smith uh, to do reputation management for city managers and uh, or members of the organization. And I have nothing against Trapepe Smith or anything like that, but wouldn't it make a lot more sense if the ICMA organization, which is ostensibly there for the city and county manager, wouldn't it make much more sense if they were doing more work before the individual got fired or was separated from the organization? And so that way you didn't need to hire Trapepe Smith, maybe necessarily to do reputation management. We're proactively engaging and protecting our manager's reputation before it gets dragged to the mud. That's where I'm at. And I'm, I'm getting kind of frustrated on this. So uh, that's my, my little parting shot with the ICMA, Michael, on that. So No, and I, I, I respect I, I respect your opinion on that particular situation. You know, the, the philosophy that I have is, yeah, there may be some holes in this situation. Um, which what you 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 spoke of, I'm not necessarily going to be on here trashing ICMA either. What I'm going to say is, yeah, there's holes there. You know, it, if you look at my resume as well, you'll also see I've been a business person. I set up an engineering firm. There was a hole. There was a hole in the industry. What did I do? I tried to fill that hole myself and hired the, the right people and the right team to address that. Once again. This is not about knocking down anybody else, but is what can I do to fill that void? And that's, you know, what what I'm saying is why I believe there's a great opportunity to fill this void is because it's there. Someone with the reach that you have can do it. Your, Your following is getting huge and you have individuals like myself that, you know, we've been through this, you know, we're going to support that effort in trying to help out other city managers, you know, and I think there's a lot of things that can be done. 
you know, having having individuals come and talk at the dais or excuse me, come to the council and talk about the injustices that may happen to have a representative standing by your side. You don't always have to have a lawyer by your side. Right. But having others who have been through the same thing that you've been through, who are there as advocates for you. I think that's really important to have. And if we have a void today, I mean, no offense to to ICMA, but let's come together and let's build that organization that that needs to be put together to fill the void. And guess what? Now you got a couple of great organizations that are out there that are doing different things. They have different missions and, and purposes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Michael, you know, uh, we're getting a little long here on this podcast and I want to start heading towards uh, wrapping up. What would you impart on those listening to this podcast as far as going through that sequence of decision-making process and weighing the pros and cons of a position? I, I, I really believe that now if you have a, a partner or a spouse that, you know, you, you have to have that, that discussion with them. Because if you don't, you might make a decision, you might do well with that decision, but guess what? Your home life is going to be hell because you, you've, you've went against your partner, your, your, your partner for life. And, and that's such a, an important aspect to what we do. My God, we, the hours that we keep as city managers Think about our poor spouses who are not with you on a regular basis, have to deal with you taking them to this community event or that community event if your you know, spouse or partner gets involved. They face a lot of challenges as well. You know, my wife, very active within this community. Me resigning from the position and going through all of this, this had a, a huge effect on her too, on our whole family. You know, my kids, they, I have adult kids. They moved here to work in this area. Now here it is. I'm unemployed, may have to, to move somewhere else. You know, it's great to have the whole family or at least some, some of the kids, we had six kids, but two of them are actually here with us right now. It is so important that you get on the same page with your, with your, your partner. And, and this is, I, I'm going to tell you, I don't care how great you are at being a city manager. If your life is turned upside down at home, <laughs> you, you're going to have problems. You are going to have problems. And you, cause that is a part of the balance as well as making sure that, that the home life is, is where it needs to be at. The kids are getting the attention, especially for those who are, who are a little bit younger and have young kids man, you, you got to have that balance too, to spend that time with the kids. So don't just take a position just so you can have a title. It's got to be the right fit. There's got to be boundaries that you put on, you know, within, uh, within your job because you do have to have balance. And yes, it may seem a little hypocritical what I said about with my surgery, but there's still balance. Even though I'm, I, I would do things differently, I would go in you know, one of the things that, that I do do love about being here in California is it's so beautiful. I take weekends and I can go to the ocean or go to Tahoe. You know, it's just a short drive. I've been able to unwind. I've been able to recharge on a regular basis. And that's what we as the city management profession need to be able to also recharge, put in, you know, put in the effort that you have to, to get things done. 
but take care of yourself because this is a stressful profession. And if you are not well, you know, you, you can't give your all to, to your community. You can't give your all to anybody. Right. And so take care of yourself, but understand you, you when you get hired that, you know, you, you are the leader of that organization and don't give away that because people put you in charge. They didn't put whoever's acting in charge. They put you right. in charge. Right. That's a big point. What about now? That's a great personal advice, uh, as far as, uh, from a family's perspective, but what about on the actual job selection research process itself? Are there things that you wish you would have done differently or that you would advise those who are, who are pursuing their next gig or their first gig? What would they, what would you advise them to do in that respect? Because Tracy, it, it did have a little bit of a history of not a little bit, but it has a history of some tumult. You know what I mean? So do you regret going to Tracy or no, wish we had done differently? Okay. Expand on that. Not at all. I don't regret coming to Tracy because you know, this was, this was a dream, uh, uh, actually more of a goal. This was a goal for me to become a city manager. I had worked my, my career to get to here, you know, uh, since I was with, uh, uh San Antonio, I worked to get to this point. And to be able to achieve it, I have no regrets whatsoever. None, none. But you you have to start looking at, you know, the situation as well. Am I truly going to enjoy this experience or am I going to be a good fit for this? Yeah, it could. you could go to a city that's had tons of turnover. But here's the thing. You better be prepared and make sure you have a good employment contract. And one of the things that I've learned is don't just do your employment contract with your, you know, just look it over, you know, hire an attorney up front. Absolutely. Help them, uh, Amen. Critique Amen. that employment contract because there's things that once again, I've learned, you know, one of the things I didn't put in my, my, uh, uh severance package is, uh, that Cobra would be paid for. Oh my God. It is expensive. Expensive, and I'm paying yes. for it, and I'm paying for it, and so you know that's just one one little thing. But this these are these are things that you you have to to take into consideration if you're going into a tumultuous situation. You need to be as prepared as possible. Make sure you do your research and have an exit plan. And your exit plan is your employment contract. Make sure right. it's and tight. Make sure that. You're ethical with everything that you do. Do not give them a reason to let you go. Because even when you are accused of things, if you got a whole community that knows you uh, as an ethical person, when they start hearing things that aren't quite right, you know, you'll get a whole lot of support from a lot of people because they actually know. And when things are just thrown out there, mm, people are going to shake their head. Well, and I believe you had quite a bit of support for you at oh, yeah. some recent council meetings, correct, Michael? Oh, yes, 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 I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of people, and I'm, I'm just humbled by this community. This community has uh, showed me a lot of love. Yeah, there's a few people that 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 um, are are not necessarily supporters or anything, but I'm not a politician, so I don't need supporters and, and that sort of thing. But it's really interesting that so many of the community um, have said just great things. I mean, I even received a a card uh, from 
<laughs> the community or quite a people in uh, uh, in the community that's saying, oh, they miss me. They they just uh, wished all of this didn't happen and they apologized for for the community. And, you know, it's it, it's a great thing that you've done the right thing and you try to do the right thing every single day and and the people will will notice that so city managers just you know make sure that uh, from an ethics standpoint you're, you're always doing the right thing build those relationships with everyone especially if you have new councils that that come in you probably need to spend even more time with them and make sure when you are considering a, a an opportunity and you are selected, make sure you make sure that your employment contract is tight. Look at some of the things that uh, others have gone through. Make sure you have them covered. Make sure that you have examples of, of good contracts that you can follow. But don't just let them give you a contract and Amen. you just sign it without reviewing it and having someone else look at it. Thank you for plugging episode two of the podcast there, Michael, because I talked about that. You talked about having an exit. You need to have an exit plan before you sign that contract. You need to have a great contract. I mean, invest some time, a little bit of money to get that contract reviewed. It's a no brainer. And I got to tell you, Michael, I've really enjoyed having you on this podcast. The sexiest voice in uh, the city manager profession. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you big sexy and when I see you in person. So let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Michael, I've, I've been... So happy to have you on this podcast. We've been talking about doing it for a while. I know you've gone through a tough experience in Tracy. I, I love your positive attitude, your upbeat attitude. You're not letting it get you down. Uh, I know you're going to have good things in store for you. I mean, I wish you nothing but the best in your journey. And if I can ever be of any assistance to you in the future, obviously, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hey, Joe. I And likewise with me, especially in trying to support this profession and its other city managers, you know, I'm here for you. To, if there's Thank things you. that I can do to, to help with, with that effort, uh, I'm here because going through this situation is, is a challenge. Is, it's tough and you need individuals that are there to support you there that can, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder with that, that truly understand what you are going through. So if, if that's your desire and something that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to do, I'm, I'm there with you, brother. Thank you. But I really appreciate that very much. Uh, with all that said, this is Joe Turner. I'm the host of City Manager Unfiltered, a podcast by a city manager for city managers and other public sector executives. Uh, please hit that like and subscribe button, rate and review the podcast. And until uh, next time, see you later. Goodbye.